Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the MAPS Step Back Podcast. Welcome into another edition of the Step Back, a MAVS podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Galatson. Uh, we've got Mike Pellucci from Front Office Sports with us tonight. He's going to talk about how the Mavs should spend their money this summer. We've got Mark Cuban comments on 105 The Fan we need to discuss about the Mavs free agency plans and how those aren't set in stone yet. Uh, we're going to talk about... Nikola Vucevic's disappointing playoff performances so far and how that might affect the Mavs' thoughts on him going into this summer. But but before we get into all of that, we're going to let you listen to Drew Pot. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, it get tragic. Yeah, Look with the ball, tragic. yeah, it get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Don't got Chris Stapps, coach at the Adam, I spaz like Dallas. Seth thought I'm rapping, God. If Lucas shoot the ball, you know that it's cash. But my boy still living the past. Now he got my boy Chris Stapps, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just wanna ring, wanna fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking heads, dang, go relax. All right, guys, we're here with Mike Pellucci. He's the managing editor at Front Office Sports. He's a former pupil of our own Mike Fisher. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at MikeLikesSports. Uh, Mike has also written stories for the New York Times, Sports Illustrated, The Ringer, Bleacher Report, you name it. He's probably done it. Mike, how you doing tonight? It is good to be back home with the Dallas basketball family. Yeah, we're, we're glad you decided to come on with us. And, uh, Matt, anytime, I'm sure- anytime. Matt, I'm, I'm sure you're excited too. Yeah, very excited to uh, to hear the perspective from a, from another fish pupil on the basketball world. Before I gotta say this, before we get started for the second time in three weeks, uh, we're experiencing hurricane-like weather here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, the great city of Hattiesburg. Uh, <laughs> so, if you hear any uh, disruptions in the background, it's good. I'm safe. I'm not going to float away, but you might hear some disturbances. So just just getting that out of the way here early on. But uh, Mike, we're we're going to start out talking about the Mavs' plans this summer. Uh, they've got about 30 million in cap space as as we speak, and then you know they could open up more depending on what Dwight Powell does if he opts out. Uh, they could simply waive Courtney Lee and free up eight more million before free agency. Uh, but, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk about what they should actually do, uh, whether they should start at the top with guys like Kevin Durant, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, people like that, uh, spend all of that money in one place, or, you know, they could spread it out and get, you know, two or three second-tier guys. And uh, I was going to get your perspective on that or your, your thoughts on that. What, what do you think the Mavs should do this summer with that money? You know, I'm so beaten down from all those years of chasing the biggest fish. Uh, and, of course, it's a different scenario, right? You know, at, right. back when they were going to the mattresses every year free agency, you basically had Dirk in your golden years and kind of nothing else you could sell. Now you have two stars, both of whom are very young, both of whom you could build around. So I get that it, the temptation to think, okay, it could be different this time around. But, you know, the reality of the situation is uh, I'm – I'm a little gun shy about playing that game, um, especially when, you know, what what big time, big top tier free agent could you even bring in 
that would fit next to these guys, that would age well next to these guys, that don't already have another bigger market option that have been linked to them for months, right? Like, let's say the pipe dream world, you get Kevin Durant. All right, well, you're not going to say no that, but there's a reason nobody's been talking about Dallas for Kevin Durant, right? You know, the mystery team doesn't win these situations. There's a reason nobody's talking about Dallas for Kawhi Leonard, so to speak. So I feel like what the move should be is, you know, I actually think if, if you ask my dream target, who's I would assume is at least somewhat attainable, uh, at least in theory, you know, it's kind of a, a one and a half tier free agent, which is a uh, Chris Middleton's my guy and easier Great, said than done. Yeah. Milwaukee being good really throws a monkey wrench in this process. If this was Milwaukee last year, I'd feel a whole lot better about this idea. But Chris Middleton is, you know, essentially the type of guy where look, do I think they're going to get him? Probably not. But you start. You don't start at the top of the market. And you play those games. You start at the second, you know, the one and a half tier of the stars, and then when that doesn't work out, then you start going down. As opposed to, sure, let's sit here and play games with the top top guys where it's probably not going to work out, and then teams below you are picking off your more realistic targets on your list. As opposed to, I'll we'll let some of the other big fish go chase those free agents that likely aren't coming to Dallas. We'll try a little bit of a reach target who. Let's be real. You could foresee some scenario in which a Chris Milton, you know, a guy who played ball at Texas A&M, a guy who fits perfectly on this team, you can at least talk yourself into some scenario where this could work, right? If and when that doesn't work out, then you just keep going down, and that's when you start hitting that next range. But that, that's kind of my, you know, hybrid philosophy, right? You go for a reach target, but not the biggest reach target. And then if that doesn't work, then you start moving on to kind of the, the upper middle tier guys that you could probably sign a couple or three of or something to that effect. Right. And Matt, I'm going to let you give your thoughts before I, I give throw out a before I throw out a couple of scenarios here. But uh, just to say something about something Mike just pointed out, the only there's only two places I've seen Kevin Durant to Dallas mentioned. And it was like a hypothetical odds thing that they showed on ESPN one night. And they had uh, they had the Mavs as like the fourth best odds to land him this summer uh, after after they acquired Porzingis, uh, that was I forgot when that was. It was in it was in the last month or so of the season, but I saw it there, and then I heard Brian Scalabrini say it on uh, NBA Sirius XM Radio. <laughs> so that My fellow well, USC Trojan Brian Scalabrini, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the White Mamba, <laughs> yeah. So that's the only two places I've actually heard people, you know in the national media talking about Kevin Durant to Dallas. So I agree. It's a long shot. Uh, I do think there is a better chance now than there has been in years past, but I I totally understand why you might be worn down with the idea now. Matt, what are your thoughts? Um, I totally understand being worn down. Um, I disagree a little bit, but I, I think that you, what you, what the Mavericks should do is they should reach for those targets but they should do it through back channels before the free agency period actually starts so that when, you know, the clock hits midnight and they're allowed to start negotiating and talking with players, they already have a pretty good idea of, of who they can, who they can attain and who they can't. So, you know, you, you reach out through back channels to Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and, and players like that. And you, you, most likely you would think that they'll know one way or the other, whether or not those guys, they even have a realistic shot to begin with. 
and that scenario. I think the main thing is you just don't want to, you know, like you said, you don't want the clock to tick down once the window actually opens. You don't want to be the fifth horse in the race in the free agent tour, and you're talking yourself into something that maybe you didn't get a realistic indication on, but sort of hubris takes over, and you think, all right, well, maybe we can convince them. No, don't do that. You're not convincing anybody. Go, go yeah. out there. If, you, if you're not getting a good vibe, don't waste valuable time. No, yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. Um, so I think uh, a, a lot along the lines of what you were saying, Mike, I, I think that uh, my guy personally uh, over these last few weeks is um, for my number one target, m- number one realistic target, I should say, is uh, Tobias Harris. Um, I think he fits really – yeah, I think he fits really well also. He's a, you know, he's a great catch-and-shoot guy. He can create his own shot. Both of those things are things they really need. But also he's – He's already been a guy who's kind of bounced around. He doesn't have any loyalty, you know, to any particular city or state or whatever. But also he's, you know, he's in a one-year situation right now with Philadelphia where, you know, they're going to have a pretty hard time keeping their core of of guys together. They're going to have to make a choice this summer, most likely, whether they're going to want to keep Jimmy Butler and also keep Tobias Harris if they can work that out. And then they've got J.J. Redick to worry about, so... You know, he could be a guy that potentially slips through the cracks and has an opportunity to sign somewhere and be an instant impact guy like in Dallas. Um, but that, I mean, he's my number one guy as far as, you know, my reach, I should say. Well, see, with, and I'll, I'll just go into some, a couple different scenarios I've been thinking about here. But Tobias Harris, you know, he's not, he's not tier one for me. He's close, but he, he's not quite there. Um, but, I mean, I kind of – even even Tobias Harris, I think he's one of those guys that if you convince him to come to Dallas, he's not going to, you know, bring a, a full max contract. So, I think you could, you know, probably get Tobias – He currently he's making $16 million a year. So I mean, if you've got let's let's say they waive Courtney Lee and they go in free agency with thirty eight million, is it? I mean, do you think it's viable to think that they could get Tobias Harris for you know around twenty five million dollars a year? Or is that am I just being crazy? I think that sounds kind of realistic. I don't know about you, Mike, but I mean, I think that sounds like a pretty fair number. Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. I guess like my main thing is he's definitely a good player, right? You know, my my main thing for what. I think really stands out for what you need on this team. It's kind of three different things, right? I think you need, and I don't know what how you prioritize those things, but I, you know, you need a three and D wing. You need a you know a guard who can be a secondary ball handler and guard ones and twos. And I think you need if you're going to get another big and shell out because let's be real, you know they're gonna. I'd be surprised if at least one uh, of you know, Kleba or Powell, I'd be pretty surprised if at least one of them, you know, I don't know if phrasing this right, one of them is going to be back next year. I'd be surprised if that's not the case. I, I wouldn't shock me if they want to sign both of those two. So once you're in that situation, how much room you have left, is it really worth going that heavy on another big? Or conversely, if you let one walk, is it that essential to throw big time money at a big when, to me, the thing that stands out is a third need? Whoever you bring in is that four next to Porzingis. You know, Porzingis hasn't historically been, you know, a glass dominating player. Now he's 23, he's young, he could grow. Uh, but I think whoever you're bringing in there has got to be just a demon on the glass. And somebody who ideally, if they can roll to the rim like a Powell can, they're fantastic. But 
you know, if I'm, if I'm going big, that's what I'm looking at. Somebody who can really pull down huge rebound numbers. And for me, I guess personally, everybody's going to rank those things differently. But I'm more worried about a 3 and D wing, and I'm more worried about that secondary ball handler with Luka. Um, I'm still, I know there are probably people who would say, well, you can you can put Jalen Brunson in that role, but can Jalen Brunson defend both backcourt positions at a high level? I'm not sure I necessarily buy that. Can Jalen Brunson shoot at a high level consistently? His college numbers suggested he would. We saw flashes of it last year. Uh, for me, if I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, what am I going to shell out money on? I don't know if I want another big, even though Tobias Harris is a great player. And I say all this and look, there have been times in the past when the Mavericks have gone picky, and then they don't spend their money, and then they don't have assets, right? You can always sign a Tobias Harris. It would not suck to have a Tobias Harris. And whether he fits in or whether he doesn't, well, you know, assets get you other players, right? This is what they've learned and relearned, you know? How do they build that championship team? Because they made a bunch of trades. How do they get Porzingis? Because they made a big trade. So as long as they're spending the money on good players in some capacity— I trust the front office to do this aspect of their jobs well and flip, you know, trade or flip or move things around. But I guess like an ideal world, if I'm thinking what I'd love to see them spend on, that we don't have to, you know, kind of speculate about how they're going to move those assets elsewhere. It's it's more backward and wing help than it is a big for me. Yeah, and, and you you kind of you kind of read my mind here with the second topic I was going to you know bring up as far as you know, there's so many. There's so many priorities that the Mavs can have this summer. And like you said, they need three-point shooting. They need perimeter defense. They need rebounding. And, you know, there's been uh, discussions about, you know, what they should prioritize first. And for me, like you said, I mean, I'm – I think the biggest thing for me, like you look at the the Rockets and the Jazz series right now that that's going on. You know, Rudy Gobert, he's he's one of the best centers in the game – he, he makes the Jazz of one of the best defensive teams in the league and, you know, all that good stuff. And yet they're just getting straight up whipped by James Harden and Chris Paul, uh, which, I mean, th- those are extremely, extremely good players and everything. But, I mean, it just goes to show you that in today's NBA, centers just they're, – they're not – as important as they used to be they're still very important and you need you know what they bring to the table but it's just not the same as having elite three-point shooting and perimeter defense so that that's that's where i'm at too i'm prioritizing that first um i think tobias harris would be a a great uh player for that he's a he's an underrated defender in my opinion uh he shoots 40 percent from three uh he, he rebounds the ball well so i mean you you would get a little bit of everything with with Tobias Harris, and again, like I like I mentioned earlier, I think you could probably get him somewhere in that twenty five million range. And like I said, if they have you know thirty eight million in space, you still have thirteen million left over to go after you know somebody else, like uh like say Ed Davis as a as a cheaper center option that you know his per thirty six minutes. Uh, his stats for rebounding, it's really good. I mean, he doesn't play a lot for Brooklyn, or he hadn't this season, but when he does play, you know, he grabs every rebound in sight. So uh, that that's what I want them to do. I want them to focus on three-point shooting and defense. Matt? Yeah, um, my thing is uh, I, one of the most frustrating things for watch, for me watching the Mavericks this year was the lack of secondary ball handling, especially once Dennis Smith Jr. left. 
Um, and that's why, you know, I mean, you know me, Dalton. You know who I want to fill that role. Yes, Dra- Goran Dragic is uh, is my hope for that. You know, he he's a really impressive player. I don't want to get too, you know too into the whole Dragic thing because I'm gonna I'm gonna write about it later. But you know, signing we're gonna have to change our name to the Goran Dragic podcast eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But you know, I I would love the idea of adding maybe him and Patrick Beverly. You know, to kind of to kind of. Uh, you know, maybe one guy could come off the bench. You could play both at the same time. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. We both know how much Rick Carlisle likes to play two guards at one time. So um, I think that could be a great option. I, I and I do agree with you, Dalton. Um, I think that you know the way they should prioritize it, uh, the the center position, and you know what they had from DeAndre Jordan this year isn't as important as it used to be. And I think that, you know, once you get down to it, it's, it's really the, the perimeter play and the secondary ball handling and the defense and the, you know, be able to create your own shot and do all that stuff out on the perimeter. And, you know, that if I had to, if, if I, let's say if I had to rank it, I would go the secondary ball handling, then the, then the perimeter defense, you know, the three and D guy, and then the rebounder. Um, but, you know, uh, <laughs> If they prioritize it a different way, I wouldn't be mad about it. But that's just my preference. Yeah, and look, I think we're I think we all agree that you know there's not there's not one move that's going to fix the Mavericks. They they need to start with one. As, as our guy Kirk Henderson over at Mavs Moneyball says, you you know they can't build Rome in a day. He's been saying that a lot lately, and he's right. I mean, you got to. You've got to build one thing first, be really good at that, and then add on to it from there. But, uh, you know, going off what we've been talking about with three-point shooting and perimeter defense, Mike, uh, I've, I've talked with you on, on Twitter the other day. We had a discussion when uh, I, I tweeted out my realistic math starting lineup for next, uh, next year that uh, featured Patrick Beverly and uh, Danny Green as the – the point guard and the shooting guard and then you mentioned Malcolm Brogdon and you said that you were you know pretty much infatuated with that idea right now and I agree with you I've got a I've got a piece for DallasBasketball.com coming out soon you know just basically looking over the Milwaukee Bucks uh, salary cap going into the summer and you know they're they're probably going to end up giving Middleton a big pay raise. Uh, they got to figure out some stuff with uh, Miritich and Brooke Lopez. I mean, it's going to be hard if somebody gives him a you know a competitive offer, Malcolm Brogdon. That is, uh, the Bucks are going to sweat a little bit. So I, I think that I, I like that idea. I think he would be a great fit with Luka Doncic, and. I think he's attainable. I think that if they wanted to go that route, there's a there's a good possibility they could steal him. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I I say Chris Middleton is my dream, but in reality, that's that's going to be their priority, right? So, as you said, you know, not not only do they have to figure out how to pay the guys who are there this year, you have the looming supermax with Giannis coming next year. So, what are you going to do? Are you going to cap yourselves out right now? Are you going to basically ensure that you're going to become a taxpayer if and when that time comes around, uh, where their priority is going to be. And look, it wouldn't shock me if Brogdon is the guy that they prioritize over a Miritich or something like that, because I think he's very good. You know, the guy shoots well from all spheres. He's 6'5", so he can guard your ones, he can guard your twos. He's a good secondary ball handler. He doesn't need the ball. Uh, I'm still a sucker for, you know, like, I'm 
if he's a four-year college guy the way I think he was a four-year college guy or not a three because he's already turning 26 um came out of a you know came out of a really good program in Virginia I always love that stuff I know they do too right I mean that's part of the appeal with the Jalen Brunson absolutely um, yeah so it's he's is Malcolm Brogdon going to be an all-star in Dallas of course not but could Malcolm Brogdon be a starter on a really good team yeah I believe that and not only can he do a lot of things they don't have but he doesn't need the ball to do that and that's I think a, a very key piece about this you know you bring in a Tobias Harris Tobias Harris has been bouncing around a lot of places Tobias Harris you know was the guy in LA uh does Tobias Harris come to Dallas and say you know all right this is my show as much as it is Lucas and Porzingis's because I would then look at Tobias Harris and say one of these things is not like the other. On Alka Brogdon, not the player Tobias Harris is, not going to cost as much as Tobias Harris would ostensibly. You're still going to have to, you're not to shell out to make sure they don't match, but it's not going to cost the same bottom line. Malka Brogdon knows he's a role player. And I think finding a guy like that who has a rare skill set in a lot of areas that can help them and is, you know, age appropriate as well, right? He's 25, 26. So he, he can grow old with these dudes uh i'm i'm in favor of something like that that's why that's a name that really jumps out to me and intrigues me because at the end of the day you know i think just the goal from this has to be you know if you get to you know you're doing a little strategy game theory and you're thinking about you know what do we shell out on and how do you distribute the money i think if there's one thing this team has proven really well over the last i mean god you could go back 15 years even uh they're really good at taking your you know your your D's and turning them into C's and your C's and turning them into B minuses, right? They will find guys who can fill out the end of your rotation. I'm not worried about them doing that. What they need to do is just add at least one in an ideal world two very good starters. You know, if that doesn't mean an all star player, but these are two guys who are good, then great. Just improve the starting lineup because I trust them to find guys every year the way that they always do that fill out a rotation and eventually become rotation guys i mean even you know there are two uneven lists you know you go back to a branded bass for instance right who comes in and is nothing and makes some money uh on the free agent market because dallas turned him into something you look at even on this roster right kleba and powell uh nobody knew who maxi kleba was dwight powell was a joke two years ago who everybody was upset that they paid and now we're sitting here i think most Mavs fans are sitting here going well they better find a way to keep dwight powell now right so they'll find a way to get the, the fringe rotation guys, maybe even just some overall rotation guys. What they need to do is find people whose skill set they can't replicate from plumbing the lower ends of rosters right. and ideally make them guys who can grow with this team age-wise. That's my thing with Pat Beverly and with Danny Green because skill set-wise, they definitely work with these guys. My thing is just I would be a little disappointed if they come out of free agency spending money on two guys in their 30s when by the time this team is really ready to contend, they're not going to be part of this. You know, will it make them better in the next year or two? Sure. But I'm ideally thinking, you know, because if the goal is to just get to the playoffs next year and be good, you know, they're not, they're not winning a title the next couple of years. I'm thinking ideally if I've got all this cap room available and I don't have the Porzingis huge deal hanging over me yet, I don't have the Luka huge deal hanging over me yet, I want to be able to come out of free agency and say, not only is this a good starter, this is a guy who's going to be here and grow with this core for a while. Right. And look, Brogdon, he, I like what you said about he, he knows what he is at this point. I mean, what I like is he is a really good role player, but, you know, you look at it, he, he came out in 2016 and he, he won the Rookie of the Year with Milwaukee. And, 
you know, he, he hasn't made a huge jump in production from year to year. But, you know, I'm just going down every single, you know, his field goal percentage, his three-point percentage, uh, effective field goal percentage, uh, points per game, rebound, you know, everything pretty much. He has gotten better every season. And he joined the, the 50-40-90 club this year too. So, I mean, he's just – he's consistently efficient – uh, he's, he's, I think he could be one of those glue guys for the Mavs this summer. Um, Matt, what, what are your thoughts on Brogdon? Well, yeah, that's my big thing with Brogdon is, um, and why I think he's, you know, would be such a home run is the efficiency. That's one thing this team has not had a lot of in the last few years is efficiency. And that's, that's, you know, that's being kind. I, I would say, would you guys agree? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> so, you know, having a guy like Brogdon in there who can hit shots at a good rate and who doesn't turn the ball over and who does everything well and would be kind of the, you know, the Alka-Seltzer, so to speak, of this lineup where he just kind of settles everything down, I think would be, would, would be absolutely great. And I think, you know, you, you get him at the right price you give yourself the ability to go and you know sign another you know pretty big impact free agent or make a trade or do something that improves your roster and you know still gives you a lot of flexibility going forward yeah and i mean look we we're talking a lot about free agency and everything but uh mainly because we've we've talked so much here in the last few weeks or so about the nba draft and the lottery and all that stuff but if the Mavs do get lucky in the lottery and they end up with Zion Williamson, that completely changes, you know, this whole conversation. <laughs> I, I, I don't even think I know emotionally how to prepare for that. I don't well, think I like whatever whatever emotional reserve I would tap into. I don't I, I don't even know if that exists right now. I don't know what that looks like. I mean, literally, the Mavericks. You, I'm sure you, you know you. If I know the stat, you guys know the stat. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this, or a lot of them, know the stat. This team has literally never outperformed its lottery position. So no. if you're, you know, we can all hope, I guess, that they banked a little good karma and it just, by all means, expend it all right now. Like, I, I think we'd all be okay with if they somehow won the lottery this year and got Zion Williamson. I'm okay with them not, you know, ever outperforming the lottery luck again for the next 30 years. That's cool with me. Let's do that. <laughs> That would be amazing, and I, I was telling Dalton the other day when he was trying to cheer me up about the lotter, all the lottery business and where the Mavericks finished that I just don't have any emotional capital left to spend on the lottery anymore this season after after everything that happened in the last couple of weeks. But if that happened, I mean, man. I, I, well, look, I mean, okay, so it, it, in my defense, I, I became a little bit more confident today because Real GM tweeted out the, their lottery simulator and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go in there, and I'm going to do it twice. And I did it twice, and the first time the Mavericks finished second, and the second time they finished first. So then I just put it away, and I'm not going to open it again. <laughs> comes around. I, like it. I love it. Let's do it. Good yeah, plan. yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I know, I know the odds. They don't, they don't care about my feelings. They don't care how I feel about it. But that said, the way I feel about, it, and I, I wrote a story on this not too long ago. Too, but you're right. They've the Mavs have never moved up. They have stayed where they're at nine times, and they've moved down six times. And two of those times were in back-to-back years in the early to mid '90s. You know, they had the number one odds. They moved down to fourth one year, and then they moved down to second. Which you know, the the time they moved down to second turned out pretty good because they got Jason Kidd. But still, I mean, they they have not had one ounce of lottery luck in the franchise history. So. 
I mean, I, I would. That's what we're getting at. They're right. Due. Right. And I mean, I, I I wouldn't be shocked. But like I said, if if they end up winning it and they get Zion, that completely changes this whole uh, this whole conversation we're having about free agency and big fish or medium fish and all that stuff. But uh, Mike, we're not going to keep you uh, any longer. But we sure do appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Uh, we got to do it again sometime. Anytime, fellas. You know my number. Yes, sir. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right, guys. Stick with us. We'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we're going to talk about Mark Cuban's comments on 105.3 The Fan, and we're going to talk about Nikola Vucevic's disappointing playoff performances so far and what that means for the Mavs going into this summer. So stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we're back. Matt and I, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about Mark Cuban's comments the other day. Uh, He went on 105.3 The Fan on the Ben and Skin show, and he was just kind of talking about the Mavs' free agency plans for this summer, or or lack thereof, I should say. Uh, You know, nothing set in stone yet, as he was talking about. But uh, one thing he was sure on was that the Mavs are going to eventually – uh, extend Dwight Powell. He seemed really sure of that. When it came to guys like Maxi Kleba and Dorian Finney-Smith, he used the word probably. Uh, he was optimistic about those two, but it you know didn't sound near as sure as he did on Dwight Powell. But uh, Matt, what, what what were your thoughts on that? I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it or not, but I mean he. He basically said what we've been hearing here for a while that you know they the Mavs are going to extend Dwight Powell. Uh, my thoughts were, eh, <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I get it. He fills a lot of roles, you know, of things they need, and he's super athletic, and he's an exciting player, and he's still improving every year. If he would just stop shooting those damn three-pointers, I would like him a whole lot more. But, you know, it really, for me, depends on how much they're willing to actually pay him. Because I like where he's at, at, you know, $10 a year. I think that's a good number for him, and I think that would be a good number for him going forward. Um, if the number starts getting up above $12, dollars $15 $15 I am not so happy with it because, you know, one thing we've learned about Dwight Powell over the last couple of years is he pretty much only shows up like he did in the last couple of weeks of the season during the last couple of weeks of the season when the season's already over. You know, it. I don't. I haven't seen any sort of consistency for you know season long. Thing and I know he's still a prospect and and whatever, but well, and look, just, look, let me let me just say this. I'll you know you can finish your point, of course, but with Dwight Powell, it has come towards the end of seasons. But I mean, if you look at it, he's not starting. He's not in the starting position. Uh, you know, towards the end of seasons, and I know, I know that you know, especially in the last week or so, when teams they've locked up their their playoff positioning and all that and teams aren't playing maybe as hard as what they would early on in the season but I mean as a starter 
he's been a really, really solid player. And that might be the Mavs' way of, you know, kind of justifying extending him and possibly even giving him a, a slight raise. Uh, not saying that I, you know, completely agree with that decision, but, I mean, just if you look at it from that standpoint, you can kind of see – kind of see where they're coming from it, it a lot of it has been towards the end of these seasons but uh i mean you know it, as a starter he's been a solid player so maybe they're you know viewing him as a potential starter for next season well i've got a couple of problems with that <clears throat> first the lineups that the mavericks were facing down the stretch of the season weren't exactly the best lineups <laughs> Um, let's, for example, let's take into account, uh, like 76ers, 76ers didn't have Tobias Harris. They didn't have Joel and B. They didn't have, uh, Jimmy Butler in that game. Um, you know, it, it, it was, it was really a whole lot of that. In my opinion, it was the end of the season teams weren't, it's not that they just weren't playing as hard. They were resting players or they were tanking or they were doing something else where, you know, it wasn't mid season form. And when we saw Dwight Powell, when the Mavericks were in quote-unquote mid-season form, he was more frustrating than anything else to watch. He was out of control. He was playing against better defenders. You know, he was having to settle for these threes that at one point, I think he was shooting like in the teens for the year, which was super frustrating. Look, I've, I've said I said this the other day, but the fact that Dwight Powell ended this this past season shooting 31% from three, which isn't good, but the fact that he finished the season shooting that high from three is almost a miracle given how bad, you know, given how bad he was but, the first few months of the season. That's true because teams were leaving him wide open because they were looking at the <laughs> analytics and they were like, holy God, this guy's a terrible three-point shooter. But, you know, my other thing is, and, you know, we talked about Kirk earlier about his build Roman a day thing that he tweeted the other day, but he also tweeted something earlier that, and he said, if Justin Jackson is a starter for the Mavericks, they're in trouble and they're not making the playoffs. I disagree with that, but I do too. I, if you flip that and you say, if Dwight Powell is a starter, you have me listening a little bit closer because I think if Dwight Powell is starting, for this team next season, they're going to be in big trouble because if he's starting, you're paying him starting money. And if he's getting paid starting money, then you're not getting the free agents that you want to get. So, and that would really bother me if they wanted to pay Dwight Powell, say, I don't know, $14 million. And that kept them from going out and getting another guy like Malcolm Brogdon or Tobias Harris or whatever. And that would, I would be very, very upset. Yeah, well, look, here, here's the thing with the, you know, talking about Justin Jackson potentially starting. And I, I don't think Justin Jackson will be a starter uh, next season if the, you know, if the offseason goes a couple of different ways. I, I hope it goes. Uh, but, you know, if he is your fifth best starter going into next season, it's not the end of the world. And the difference between having him – and you know versus Powell as a starter is he's more versatile he can he can actually hit threes more consistently he doesn't go through like these huge huge swings of being you know extremely ice cold and then 
like you said, towards the end of the season, uh, when everybody's leaving Powell open, he starts hitting threes. But he also plays, you know, good perimeter defense too. He's long. He's six foot eight. He uh, can guard one through four. Right. He can guard one. He can guard point guard through power forward. So, uh, I mean, he's he's versatile. He's like a he's like Sean Marion light. Uh, you know, he obviously he's still got a long ways to go. But just I'm just saying the type of player he is. It's kind of that mold. So, um, well, yeah, but also another thing is he's already under contract. Yeah, a rookie contract. So yeah, so you're not paying him money. Like if he's a starter, it's because you spent all your money on one or two other guys who make your team infinitely better already because you're spending thirty eight million dollars, right? Whatever you know since they since they released Lee. But if you if you extend Dwight Powell to the number where he's a starter, then you're not you you can't spend that same money, and that's what scares me. Right, and and I mean, if they draft Zion and he's and he's you know and that messes up the money a little bit, then that's one thing though. So yeah, and I mean know. if 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 they were in that situation where you know uh, Justin Jackson had to start because they spent all their money and. They just need somebody to, to fill in one of those last spots. I mean, he's a good, versatile player, and he's young, and he's still on he's still on his rookie deal. And, uh, you know, being a starter and playing alongside Luka and Chris Stapps and uh, whomever else they, they add to the roster this summer, I mean, it's only going to make him play better, in my opinion. So I don't know yeah, where – Sorry, and also I wanted to add one more thing. Just because he's a starter doesn't mean he's playing 38 minutes a game. He no. can start and play twenty to twenty-five minutes. Yeah, and just you know, and chase around Kevin Durant or Giannis or whoever the other team's best offensive player is for you know twenty-five minutes a game. Yeah, he could be a patch starter, and I mean, look, he he's one of those guys too that you know we talked about it with Mike Pellucci earlier uh, when we were talking about Brogdon being a guy that uh, he he knows his role uh, on a team. You know, he's not going to – he's going to do the necessary things uh, or the things that – he's going to do the things that are necessary to win a game. And he's not worried about his own stat. He just – he's there to play. And it's kind of that same mindset as what uh, Pellucci was talking about with Malcolm Brogdon. He's just one of those guys He's going to go out there, he's going to play hard, and he's, he's just a good team player. So I'd be fine with it. Um, I mean, we, we've got a long ways to go. Before we, you know, start talking about that more seriously, but I mean, it is a possibility heading into next season, and I honestly don't know where a lot of this negativity around Jackson is coming from. He's a young guy. He's big. He's long. He can shoot the three. He can defend. I mean, let's give the guy a chance before we completely run him into the ground. Yeah, and, and people are praising Dwight Powell for the way he ended the season, but why can't we do the same thing for Jackson? Exactly. You know, he, he, he closed the year on a tear, so I don't know. Exactly. And, I mean, look, we could we could talk about Jackson, or I could talk about Jackson all night. You know how I feel about him. That's my guy. Uh, you know, since Dennis has, <laughs> has left and gone to New York, Justin Jackson's kind of like my, my new guy now, so – uh, we'll move on from that. Uh, like I said, 
aside from Powell, Cuban did talk about how they wanted to uh, bring a lot of other guys back. He used the word probably with Kleba and Finney Smith. Um, we won't talk a lot about that, but I think it is noteworthy that he used that you know that kind of phrasing with them. It's not guaranteed that they will be back. I think Kleba is definitely the more um, the more important piece to bring back there he, he was your best defender this year your best shot blocker uh he's been a lot better from three especially you know the the second half of the season uh and it wasn't necessarily like dwight powell where he was being left open either he just you know he was actually hitting shots in people's faces so um i think they probably need to bring him back i think they can for a uh reasonable amount of money and you know Cuban, and we, we talked about this with Pellucci earlier as well, um, we talked about whether the Mavs should go for the big fish, you know, spend all their cap space in one place, or if they should, you know, divide it up, or, you know, what whichever direction they should go, and uh, Cuban, he talked a little bit about that on that uh, 105.3 The Fan interview, and said that they hadn't decided yet. So they don't know which direction uh, they're heading yet, whether they want to chase a guy like Kevin Durant. Uh, they probably don't know yet you know, just how good or bad their chances are of getting a guy like that, but they haven't decided yet. And uh, I'm going to drop a little, little nugget here for our listeners, and I know, Matt, you probably have something to say about it too, but we do plan on having Mark Cuban on the step back uh, the week before the lottery. So... That'll be fun. Uh, hopefully, you know, they'll have a, a plan cemented by then, and he can tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure he'll tell us everything about all of their plans. But, yeah, I'm really excited to have Mark on. I think that's going to be great. Um, if you had to pick one of the guys that's going to be back, I would put my odds on Kleba. Um, and my thing about Dorian is I feel like they've done everything they can with him i mean when you agree yeah and i feel like they have a guy now in justin jackson who they think fits that role of what they want to do there better so i think it'd be easier for them to part with dorian because i think with him and jackson both on the roster i think dorian becomes a little bit redundant yeah i agree and um now look don't get me wrong i i mean if they're if you're able to retain finney smith for a, a cheap amount i mean he's definitely a guy you want to have coming off your bench you know maybe a uh you know ninth tenth guy uh you know so just to have that you can throw at people um so i mean i if his shooting was better i would have higher hopes for him uh as a long-term guy in dallas but like i said if, if the price is right i'm fine with having finney smith back he's a great defender he's a good energy guy he has the most put back uh tip ends i've ever seen uh he's great on the offensive glass yeah i mean he he's just high motor start to finish so I, i'd love to have him back at the right price uh, yeah um there might be something else that draws him away though um whether it be money or you know we know how close he and dennis are if, if the knicks are looking for a kind of a utility guy to come off their bench after they do their free agency work or their big free agency work. I could see that as a place that he lands too. Um, but, you know, I, like we said, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on Dorian and, and Kleba because I think the way the Mavericks have been 
structured throughout the season and, and the way they use both of those guys. I think Kleba is obviously the most um, the most important of the two to bring back. You know, he he should have the priority because when he's on the floor, they're a completely different team defensively. You know, he 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 needs to work on his rebounding in a big way. So um, I don't necessarily think he's a starter as of yet, especially next to to KP, who also is not a great rebounder. But you know, he he can come off your bench, and he can guard in, really any center in the league not named. I don't you know I haven't seen him guard Embiid. I don't know if he can do that. Embiid's really hard to guard. But other than that, you know, I don't know I don't know another big in the league that he can't, you know, at least affect the way that that guy plays on the offensive end. Yeah, and like I said uh, earlier, the Mavs, they're thinking behind the Powell extension and everything. Maybe they envision him as a starter or maybe just a spot starter, you know, maybe not permanently. But if that's the case, I mean, you'd have to, in my opinion, Maxi Kleba would be a better option starting because, I mean, the – Kleba and Powell, neither one of those guys are going to, you know, grab a ton of rebounds. But, I mean, I would rather have Maxie's shot blocking and three-point shooting uh, versus what Powell brings. Which, Powell, he's an elite pick-and-roll man. Uh, he, he's, but that's it. He's an, elite, <laughs> he's an elite player at finishing above the rim, catching lobs, but... Like you said, that is that is pretty much to, uh, the extent of it. He's a he's a good hustle guy. But uh, we could talk about this forever. Uh, but like I said, Kleba, he's probably the the better option out of those two if if they're gonna start one of them. But uh, we'll move on from this. We're gonna move on to a completely different topic here. Uh, the NBA playoffs. They're they're still going on. It's the it's the early stages of these series and. One that uh, we've really been keeping our eye on is the Orlando Magic and the Toronto Raptors. And uh, everybody saw uh, DJ Augustine, well, I'll say versus Mavs All-Star, DJ Augustine defeated the the Raptors almost at the buzzer of Game 1. And then... Uh, he finally did it to somebody else. Yeah, he did it to somebody <laughs> else. And I mean, look, I got to give him credit. There's a lot of people that have told me, like, you might not be able to call him a versus Mavs all-star anymore because he's been actually really good the past few years against uh, pretty much every team. So I don't know. I haven't looked into that much. All I know is he kills the Mavs every time he plays against them. But uh, the Raptors came back in game two. They embarrassed the Magic. But the one guy that you know we're keeping a close eye on is Nikola Vucevic. And obviously that's because there's been a lot of uh, rumors swirling around about uh, how he's connected to the Mavs and, you know, his agent is Billy Duffy. And, you know, there's a lot going on there. And uh, some people like the idea. Some people don't like the idea. But, I mean, if you're just looking at how he's played so far through two games, and like I said, this, this could change throughout the series, but... In game one, he scored 11 points on 3 of 14 from the field, and he had 8 rebounds and 3 assists. And he was a plus 3 in a win. So, not great numbers. Had a bad shooting game. Uh, still grabbed 8 boards, and, you know, they got the win thanks to DJ Augustine at the end. Well, then you go to game two, 
and it's it's a lot worse. He had six points, uh, not as bad of a shooting night, but didn't shoot as much. Three of seven, uh, only had six rebounds, and he was a negative 29 in that game. So it was it was pretty rough for uh, Vucevic in game two. And my question to you, Matt, and I have my own thoughts on this too, but uh, where are you at as far as what this playoff performance would mean for Vucevic if he continues to play poorly? What, what, what would that mean for the Mavs thinking on potentially you know, signing him this summer if he keeps playing like this? I don't think it has a whole lot of bearing on his market necessarily. I mean, Orlando snuck into the playoffs. They're still not a good team, and there's not a lot of help for him on that team. And I know people are going to say, oh, wait, Matt, but you were shitting on Kimball Walker earlier because, you know, this, this, and this, but he didn't have a good team around him either. It's like, okay, yeah, but here's the thing. They're, the way they would affect the Mavericks is totally different. And also, another thing about Vucevic is, you know, he, unlike Kimba, he brings, I know Kimba brings some secondary ball handling, and I think that's important, but I also think he hogs the ball a little bit, which is another thing I was saying a minute ago, but Vucevic, he is one of the premier rebounders in the NBA, and that's something the Mavericks really need, especially, I don't know how great of a fit he'd be next to KP, but... I I wouldn't mind it. It's that he he's not my first choice. And I know the Bill Duffy thing, and and all that is going to play a bit pretty big factor here. But the idea of of Vucevic in Dallas, I don't think is as crazy as schematically from a fit perspective, or you know from a money fit perspective as everybody thinks. I don't think it's necessarily going to mean that the Mavericks can get him for cheaper than they want to, or that he's you know that they thought they were going to going into the playoffs. Because I mean, let's face it. <clears throat> players like Carmelo Anthony and you know other players who have struggled in the playoffs have James Harden's a great example. Like he he has been historically not good in the playoffs. Carmelo Anthony was the same way. Yeah, both of those guys got max contracts and were super max. And James, I think James Harden was super max, wasn't he? Yeah, if yeah. He, he, if he wasn't, he's about to be. I can't remember. No, he got a he got um, that super max extension. Yeah, so I mean, it's I don't I don't I don't see how a you know, two, three, four game stretch against one of the best defensive teams in the NBA can really um, can really affect his his summer standing because you know he's not going to have to do that in Dallas. He's not going to have to be a number one guy, right? And yeah, he's going to be able to fill a certain role. Yeah, yeah, and you're 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 getting into what I was about to say too. I mean, he has to carry the load for Orlando pretty much. I mean, I know they have Aaron Gordon. And they have Jonathan Isaac. They've got some young pieces there. Uh, you've got a guy like DJ Augustine who can be a spark plug. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, Vucevic is the only superstar on that team. And if he's not playing well, more than likely the Magic aren't going to be playing well. And, I mean, look, this is a guy, he averages 10 rebounds per game for his entire career. He's a 16-10 and 10 guy for his career. Um, he averaged four assists per game. It was his, his averages for this year, Matt, were 21 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, and he shot 52% from the field and 36% from three. Uh, and he's he was, averaging career highs in just about everything. Yeah, also. I mean, he's been really good. There's a reason he was a he was an All Star for the first time in his career this year, and you know he's only 
28 years old. So, uh, I mean, I I think that he would be a better fit than what some people think he would be in Dallas. Uh, I don't think his playoff performance is going to have any any bearing on what the Mavs decide to do, whether they, you know, decide to chase him or not in free agency. But I'll say this, if he does, you know, kind of drop the ball and doesn't pick it up over the remainder of the series, I think it could affect, you know, how much money he gets. Now, he's still going to get a lot of money. He's going to get a a pay raise from, you know, what he what he's making now which is $13.2 million, but, you know, I don't think he's going to get near a max contract. And I think that would bode well for Dallas. And like you said, he's not going to be the guy. I mean, we're going to have Luka, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, and, you know, whoever else they, they would be pairing alongside Vucevic. Uh, but, I mean, he, he'd be a great fit. He'd be a great fit, and he wouldn't have to carry near as much of a load, and I think uh, the Mavs would be better off for that. Yeah, and I, the more I read about it, I mean, Fish wrote a piece on on Justin Jackson earlier. Um, we talked a little bit about that too, but I like really liked the idea of the lineup that he, you know, put forward. It was it was my boy who I'm I know I'm mentioning for the second. T- I feel like Bill Simmons talking about the Celtics. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's but, okay. It's okay. <laughs> but you know the the Dragic, uh, Luca. You know, Vucevic, KP, Core as your starting forward. You know, you can you can throw whoever you want in and out as that fifth guy. I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, and I like that lineup. Get, yeah, if you could get both Dragic and Vucevic for in, with your cap room or your you know the, the majority of your cap room, then I think that's a win. I think that's a really big win. Yeah, I do too. I, I think that's a really good lineup. I think it gets you to the playoffs. Uh, defensively, you know, you have a you have to think about that a little bit later down the line. But like like we like we Defense discussed, is overrated, man. <laughs> yeah, like we discussed, and I brought this up, you know, when we were talking with Mike Pelucci earlier as well. But you look at the Rockets and the Jazz series, and you know, the Jazz—they're supposed to be one of the better defensive teams in the league. And uh, Rudy Gobert—he's a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, you know, yearly. And they're just getting waxed by the Rockets. So, I mean, defense is overrated to an extent. I think perimeter defense is the bigger bigger issue. Um, well, here's my thing about that is that that team probably scores close to, if not, you know, top one, two, three in the league alongside Golden State and... You know, I guess Houston's up there. That would be um, a really fun team. It'd be, it'd be. That's 120 c- points a game, and they give up probably 119. But it's it's really fun basketball, and it, I think it wins a lot of games. Look, that would that would be up there, in my opinion. That team offensively would be as fun as the Mavs when they had Nash and Finley, and that team uh, they had in 20. I think it was. 2014 before they pulled the trigger on the Rondo trade and they had Jameer Nelson and Brandon Wright and uh, Tyson Chandler and you know that that team was like the best offensive team in the league before they pulled the trigger on that Rondo trade and messed that up but they, they didn't play much defense but man that was some fun basketball to watch and that's what I think 
that starting lineup that Fish presented would do uh, for the Mavs going forward. Yeah, and you could add Pat Beverly into the mix and get your get your perimeter defender that just bugs the shit out of everybody. And yeah, you're you're Deshaun Stevenson guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I see. I think that would be so much fun, and I agree a hundred percent that there's no way that the Mavericks are going to go from winning, you know, a, you know, in the thirties to winning fifty or sixty games next year. Unless somehow they got Zion Williamson and landed Kevin Durant and which is possible, which is possible. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just saying, like, unless something like that happens, you still have to build this thing gradually. And I don't think that that signing Vucevic to or Vucevic, however, I don't, I don't know how you. I, I apologize to our Eastern European listener base. Um. I know I'm mispronouncing it, but shout out to you guys, by the way. I, we were uh, we were on Anchor the other day, and we were looking at you know where people are actually listening to us from, and we've got like quite the audience growing in in Germany and Slovenia and uh, even Latvia, and I mean it's just people all over. So yeah, and you guys are you, you guys keep the train rolling. You guys are the the you guys are the the backbone of our listenership. Uh, but anyway, I don't I don't think Vucevic is necessarily going to disrupt those plans of of moving forward and building you know i i think he's a good piece yeah yeah like i said he's not going to get the max either so if you can get him you know let's just say and he's probably going to get more than this but let's just say you get him for 20 million a year that's a seven million per year raise annually for him and that's not i mean that's a real that'd be a really team friendly contract given what he brings uh to the table for the Mavs so i think i think something like that could be possible like i said he's probably going to get more than that but i don't think he's going to get a max contract uh but i think it could potentially end up being a a team friendly deal and being a win-win situation both on the court and you know financially but um We'll we'll end it there. I mean, we we've still got a, a long summer of he- ahead of us, and you know we we got a lot of stuff to talk about going forward. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, before the draft lottery, we we plan on having Mavs owner Mark Cuban on, and uh, that's going to be a really fun episode. You won't want to miss. So uh, we're we're looking forward to that, and we're looking forward to having a fun Mavs off season. And Matt, you have anything else to add? Uh, no, uh, Dal- I mean, besides this, I mean, Dalton and I both have some uh, some interesting pieces coming out uh, on DallasBasketball.com. Uh, you should check out Dalton's got something on uh, Malcolm Brogdon coming out. I'm going to write a, write a uh, Goran Dragic, God, I'm sorry, guys, Goran Dragic uh, fit piece for the Mavericks. And, um, you know, Fish keeps pumping out donuts and content. He did the Justin Jackson piece today, so that was really good, too. So uh, just check that out as well. Uh, if you guys have any kind of topics that you know you would like to hear us discuss that we're not covering already on the pod, you know, definitely feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at StepBackMavs. And, I mean, our DMs are open there, and you can send us whatever you would like for us to talk about, and we will we'll look that over and consider it for, you know, future pods. So if there's something we're not talking about and you want to hear it, please let us know. But, guys, again, we appreciate it, and we will see you next week. Have a good one.
every single float for Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action Don't do no action, no Samuel Jackson Dirk at the ball, you know that it's magic Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action Don't do no action, no Samuel Jackson Dirk at the ball, you know that it's magic Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic You know, in this game, it's a lot of grit You know what I'm saying? Proves who has integrity Late nights, early mornings But we all want the trophy at the end of the day And that's the beauty of this game Cause at the end of the day only the real gon' float, man, for real. You either sink or you float. Only the real gon' float.